Hey, before we get started here. Hi. And we have a very, 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 very exciting event coming up next week. Beth. Our friends at Leon and Sons are letting us do this really fun thing called What's Adam and Beth Drinking? What's Happily Opinionated Drinking? What's Happily Opinionated Drinking? And um, I guess we get to pick out like three bottles of wine and they're just going to pour them the whole night. You come in and you get to try it. Yes. It's so fun. You get to come in, try the wine for free. And you guys, the wine is so good. Yeah. We're still trying to figure out what we're picking three of our favorites. So it'd be really stupid of you not to show up. Yeah. It'd be the dumbest thing you've done all day if you it don't come. It would be dumb. Yeah, because it's free wine. What else do you want in life? As a punishment, if you don't come, you have to leave us a five-star review if you haven't done it yet. If I were to tell you to tell me a joke right now, could you think make up a joke? How does anybody write a joke? It's incredible. Are we talking like stand-up jokes? Or are we talking no, like... No, like an actual joke. Like sometimes like a, I just try to think of like a word. Like a one-liner. And, yeah. I think something happens in like everyday life and then it becomes a joke. Like my favorite joke is, what colleges do cats go to? Purdue. Yeah, Great joke. That is not... A th- so I th- I was gonna... I was like tracking with you when you first said that because I was like, yeah, that's stand-up. Like something happens in everyday life and you laugh about it and then you're like, I should tell this because this is really funny. That I get. But like what you just said, that's where somebody can like hear a word and think of it in a totally different context and then create a joke around a word. What's the pie maker's favorite number? Hi. 3.14. It's a joke. I mean, it made me laugh. So last night I went to, we went to Leon and Son here in Grand Rapids on Cherry Street and they had a wine tasting with winemakers. And so we went and checked it out and we got to, the wine we're drinking tonight is a Riveresco. That's the Italian way to say it. Um, Which is, and then the, uh, Morenello in Scanso. Scansano. See. Um, it's they're actually so we met the winemaker's name were Hugh and Anna. And they have a thirty acre vineyard in Tuscany. Close yeah. to the coast. Mm-hmm. And so sh- they were there and they were telling me about, you know, how they, they do everything by hand. They hand pick the grapes. It's a literally a handcrafted wine. It's certified organic. So it's a natural wine. All the grapes come from the same vineyard. They store... I they, believe that's called single vineyard. That's what it's called. They also... Um, the first part of the fermentation process happens in concrete basins. Because mm. they said that it it's better for the grapes and it's better for the taste to not be in wood the whole time. Yeah. And then... It, make, it, it seems like it would make it more like pure or natural, right? Like, yeah. It's not giving it the flavor of wood exactly. the whole time. I like that. That's interesting. And they have very low, they have very low sulfur for wine because uh, Anna, the winemaker, doesn't like sulfur. Okay. So, um, and they're working towards a sulfur-free wine, wow. which I don't think there is one yet. So that I that you know that, that I heard that I've heard of. Okay. So this wine is two years old. Um, well, their vineyard's fifteen years old, which is very young for a vineyard. The grapes, the grapes are probably ten years old. You know? So when they purchased the land, there was not a vineyard on no. it. Already. Oh, okay. The, that's the, interesting. The, the, 
the winery is called Val di Toro, which means Valley of the Bull. And there used to be a bull farms in this oh, place. Okay. So they kept the name of the estate called, they kept Toro in it. They wanted, because their whole thing is they're, or they're farming. They're huge, into, they're, they're farmers who make wine. And so mm-hmm. they wanted to be true to the earth, true to the ground. And she told me in her, you know, thick Italian accent, this whole story. And she invited us to come to the podcast in the winery in Tuscany. And I said, yep. Yep. See you then. Yep. Just on a whenever, you know, whenever girl get at us. Like we're yeah. super happy to come. Me, she gave me her card and I said, we will be there. Um, do you have the adapters for the European outlets though? Because I don't have those. Can I was like, what? One of those? I said, what flight is it that you're taking out of Grand Rapids tomorrow? Yeah. I'll just, is there more room on that flight? Yep. We'll just hop on. With Can I get on the Val di Toro jet, please? Can you say the name of the wine with like a Midwest accent so that people that want to yep. um, find it in the store I'm can? Very, I'm very good at this accent. It's uh, Morlino di Scansano. That's what we're drinking today. <laughs> <laughs> and the, that, name of the, the name of the wine is a Riveresco. Ooh, that sounds... Riveresco. Titillating. Oh, it is. <laughs> I can... It it's actually so tasty and I'm getting Yeah. I'm I'm honestly getting so spoiled by Chris and Christina at Leon and Sons mm-hmm. in like the the this hand selected wine. It's so good. All these natural wines and I'm just obsessed with buying wine from there now. It's it's the best. I can't go back to commercial wine. No. When when you not drink when you drink natural wine consistently and I say consistently I mean like 3 or 4 days in a row or <laughs> 3 or 4 days and then you drink a commercial wine like before this i had a glass of commercial wine and it just you can just tell you can tell the you can just it's a huge difference yeah it i feel like the like commercial wine is a little more like alcohol forward than like these natural wines are very like it's it's so much more well-rounded like you you taste a lot of things at once when you taste them they're so good totally all right beth you've really hyped up this a story to me today so I cannot wait to hear what it is well and I'm really excited to I want to know like your thoughts on this so have you heard of or seen the documentary hot coffee I think I might have talked with you about it a yeah, little bit yeah about the person that got McDonald's spilled on them yes yeah back in like the 90s or 80s yes so um there's a documentary called hot coffee and it covers like three different stories sort of um and the second story really got my attention. Also, this documentary is really interesting and the stories are so good. You guys should watch it. You can watch it for free if you have Amazon Prime. Um, but I wanted to talk about the story in the middle, um, which is it's it's a story about caps on damages, tort reform. Mm-hmm. Um so Lisa Gorley is a 36 weeks pregnant. Um, her and her husband are about to have their first children because they're pregnant with identical twin boys. And she's going to bed one night and she notices as she's laying in bed that the babies are much more still and way less active than they normally are. Enough for her to be like, this is so weird. They're normally really active right now and it's just quiet so quiet they're just hardly moving so she had a doctor's appointment the next morning 
So when she gets to her doctor's appointment, she tells her OBGYN, Dr. Nola, um, about that. She said normally they're very active and it's been really quiet and not a lot of movement. I'm concerned. So her doctor listened to um, both of the baby's heartbeats at the appointment and they sounded normal. And so she said, I think it's fine. I'm, I'm not worried about it. Don't worry about it. You're good to go. So um, a day goes by and again, even less activity. Now it's like decrease. She can tell it's decreasing more. So it's like less movement all across the board. And then the next day, same thing, even less. So she calls the doctor's office again and they have her come in. At this point, we find out that her babies were sharing a placenta. So sometimes when you have twins, they can have each their own placenta or they can be sharing a placenta. But it's very important to know if they're sharing a placenta because if you have twins that share a placenta, that is automatically considered a high-risk pregnancy. Her doctor mistakenly believed they had there had been two placentas the whole pregnancy and there wasn't i don't i don't want to like make too quick of judgments but i feel like some sort of procedure was dropped right like it, it doesn't seem like it's that hard to figure out when you have a pregnancy with twins if there's one placenta or two placentas yeah and that should be like that is like a huge priority for sure and her doctor is like oh yeah two placentas got it in the bag never need to check on that again like, I don't know how she got that idea, but the babies had been sharing a placenta the entire time. Well, they said medicine is a practice. I know. So can and we really fault I, the doctor? Yes, <laughs> we can. I get it. They're people, but like, honestly, this is when you show up to your job, you have to be like very thorough and careful. And there's checks and balances for a reason. Like the doctors aren't the only ones that look at things. So this was missed by a few people, right? You have an ultrasound tech, you have a doctor that looks over things multiple doctors, many, many checkups, like there's opportunity for things like this to be fixed if they're missed. Um, so anyway, when she initially went in two days ago and said, I feel decreased movement, it's not normal. I have concerns. Had her doctor been aware that she, that the twins were sharing a placenta, she would have immediately um, been given an ultrasound and a non-stress test. So they would have like immediately been like, we have to figure out what's going on because there's um, a really widely known syndrome called twin to twin transfusion syndrome that happens that can happen when twins share a placenta. And there's a procedure to um, try to like fix that if it starts to happen or like in this case, if the babies are old enough, they can just like remove the baby. The babies can be born so that it doesn't keep happening. So what happens in twin to twin transfusion syndrome, which is also referred to as TTTS, um, what happens is abnormal blood vessels form in the placenta and allow blood flow to move unevenly between the babies. Essentially, one twin stops getting the things that it needs to thrive or even survive, and the other twin ends up getting like too much of things. It's not good for either baby, but it's really, 
it's like really bad, usually really bad for one because they're being depleted of things that they need. So the day after her um, doctor's appointment, when two days later, when she has even less, she calls her doctor. Dr. Nola isn't in the office. So she comes in and she sees another doctor and he performs an ultrasound and finds that one of the baby's heartbeats is so slow that it's almost stopping. That's like, that's just the saddest thing you can hear. Yeah. Like mama's intuition, like I, this is not right. I'm trying to say that I know yeah, this is not. I've been telling you this doc. for two days. So he advises Lisa that she needs to go to the hospital for an emergency cesarean section immediately at this hospital that she goes to the standard of care for situations like this is that Lisa's doctor or a doctor in the hospital should have performed an emergency C-section within 10 minutes of her arriving. That's the standard of care. Colin and Connor, the twins, were delivered two hours after she arrived, during which time Colin was not receiving enough oxygen. He suffered severe brain damage to all parts of his brain, He now suffers from cerebral palsy. Initially, after the twins are born, the hospital and doctors say nothing. They offer no explanations for what happened to Colin. It's up to the Gorleys to continue to ask questions to figure out why it happened. Like they say, they just say like he, they go, he must have not been getting enough oxygen. Um, And, you know, we had no idea this would happen. Well, not just that, but, but like what I wonder at this moment is like, okay, obviously they didn't, somebody missed the fact that they were sharing a placenta. I can, I can wrap my mind around that. But once that doctor did the ultrasound, he had to have known immediately Yeah, that this, what was happening, right? Yeah. hundred percent. And then she goes to the hospital and it's two hours. And in the documentary, they say that that the brain damage that happened was a lack of oxygen for roughly like five to eight minutes. Uh. They had two hours. It was just, it was five minutes. Yeah. Had they followed protocol, he would have been fine. Yeah, totally. He would have. Yeah. They know that. Isn't that just so... It's like, it just... It, it makes you just so sad because it's a it's a it's a human life that has to suffer with this the rest of his life and his because yes. of a dumb okay because of a someone who wasn't doing their job in my so just many hearing people, you tell the story it sounds like they weren't doing their job so many people who weren't doing their jobs yeah a lack of institutional control yeah would be the technical term correct so and and the other thing too is like watching them talk about this and get tears in their eyes, all the things that he will never experience and all the care that he'll need for his entire life. Two things were lost. This, this child lost his opportunity at a normal life, which he would have had. And the parents lost that opportunity to watch him thrive in life. Yeah. And it's scary for them to think about his future and what that looks like. Totally. 
It'd be so, scary for any parent. Exactly. It, it that would be really hard fact of reality to accept and just move forward with. So now we find out that this isn't Dr. Nola's first malpractice complaint. She has had Shocker. <laughs> the Gorleys had no idea that she had been sued twice before this for malpractice. At their trial, um there And like you have to sue. You have to. You have to sue. You have to. You have to sue. Well, I mean, the cost alone, even if it's not for like like non-economic damages, which I actually am we're gonna talk about all these different type of types of damages, but but putting non-economic damages aside, the economic damages, you have to. You have to. Like this is how it works. That's the reason we have insurance yeah. and the doctors are insured, the hospital is insured. It, this is the whole point yeah, of this. 100%. S- somebody has to cover this this cost. At the trial, the nurses testify that the OR room was ready the whole time she was there. They were just waiting for a doctor. <laughs> for 2 hours. You know, that an empty OR room just not probably is because some like some lunch, some lunch sushi went late. And so some kid. I know. <laughs> I'm I mean, just, I don't want to speculate. I don't want to speculate, but. There's no good reason. It doesn't seem. This is such. We are talking about life or death. We are talking about a 100%. baby almost dying. The most, the most traumatic things in hospitals are the people who are like in, in a life or death situation. So what yeah. would have trumped it? I don't know. I mean. Without there being like a fire inside the building somewhere, yeah. I can't figure out why nobody was able to like attend to them. Totally. Especially when you say that like by the time this person comes in, the, the babies should be born within 10 minutes. If that if that's your hospital's standard of care, you're you're saying that nothing is going to there's really nothing that will come ahead of this because I mean, we're putting a 10 minute window on this. This is somewhat irrelevant because they tried to hide it after the fact. You know, I what know. I mean? they knew what happened. They knew. OK, so here's the other thing. This happens in the state of Nebraska. So the which is double wolf. Yeah. Solely because um, actually I've had good I've had a good experience in Nebraska. I take that back. But it's I mean. To all our fa- our fans that live in Nebraska, hey, or married like, to yeah. people who have lived, come from Nebraska, we love. know who you are. I know you're listening. We love Nebraska. We do love Nebraska. It's a great place to play Chinese washers and drink beer in a garage. But we're gonna find out that th- that Nebraska's pretty pro tort reform. Ooh. Or. Just like what happens to most people, you don't understand your state's policy on caps on damages or what the law states until you're in a situation like this. Yeah, for sure. So they go to trial and um, an economist tells the Gorleys that for Colin's lifetime and the amount of care that he's going to need for his life, it's six million dollars. So that's what they sue for. Yeah. And also with that, they're going to have to pay their lawyers. They still have to pay. This is this is such a, a crazy thing, too. They still have to pay their medical bills. Um, 
So they still have to, they, they now have to pay for lawyers and they have to pay their medical bills. And, and already Colin is needing a lot of care, right? This is a baby born with severe brain damage. So he immediately probably went to the NICU, you know, is on oxygen, lots of things going on. So his medical bills alone initially, they're going to be outstanding. They're very, they're very high. Um, so the jury, uh, sides with the Corleys and they, they award them 5.6 million. They think that is, you know, fair and adequate and that will be enough. And they, they understand why they're requesting the money that they're requesting. Yep. However, the jury was unaware that the law in Nebraska capped total damages. So they cap in Nebraska, there's three different types of damages. There's economic, which is the cost that this, in this case, malpractice, um, what it, what it's actually physically costing you. So like if you, in this case, Colin will never be able to work again. He'll never work his whole life. He has to have multiple different types of therapy, um, extra medical expenses. He will need like nurses and people who can come in and out of the house, lots of different things. Those economic costs are, are what those are. Then there's non-economic, which is the damages of your pain and suffering, loss, things like that. Non, non-economic is the biggest issue. And most states have a non-economic cap because they don't trust that a jury could decide the value of a person's pain. Yeah. So, um, however, Nebraska is a very rare state not that many states do this but they have a total cap so that you lump all the damages together what, why they, why 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 is this a thing like why is this a thing why is there like you can only sue for this much no matter what why is that a thing um it's a thing because there is this belief that americans just so many of them will lie and try to cheat the system with frivolous lawsuits to make money off the insurance company. And so the caps on damages are meant to protect, quote unquote, the doctors because they're going to start to be afraid to practice, which I looked into a bunch of different studies about this and I there was no evidence that that's ever been the case. And oftentimes states that increase, like they, they make their caps stricter, the insurance costs go up higher. It sounds like it to me, I could be wrong. It sounds like there's some insurance company lobbying going on in the state of Nebraska. Well, it's even bigger than that. Actually. Um, so we're going to talk about this. I'll, I'll, I'll say what this is and then we'll put a pin in it. But have you heard of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce? I've heard of it before. It is, it is not a federal run organization. It's a group of businesses. It's the largest lobbying organization in our country. And they spend... Anywhere from like 50 million to 150 million a year lobbying. And a lot of what they spend their time doing is basically buying judicial seats on state Supreme Courts. Yeah. They will lobby against 
or they'll they will they will run a campaign, a smear campaign against anybody who isn't pro business, essentially. And they will spend millions. So you have these people running for like a state Supreme Court and and they don't have millions. They don't they they are probably struggling to have hundreds of thousands. Yeah. And they will spend millions. And then there's like this story of Oliver Diaz and he he ran against them. They did like this they threw so much money at this smear campaign and he still actually won. And then they tied him up in litigation for three years. So he wasn't even able to be active on his seat. Yeah. That's another, that's another thing that they do. Yeah. And they've done it, I guess. Yeah. Just tons of times. There's a, there's a big, uh, yeah, that's actually something that, um, on John Oliver, long story short, he had the same thing. They tried to tie him up for litigation and companies that can't, HBO can afford it, but a lot of people can't. And so they right. get tied up in litigation. They can't talk about it and it goes away because right. you, you, they bleed you out money wise. Well, they bleed you out or even still like in this case for three years, he wasn't able to be like active or practice from his seat yeah. on the Supreme Court. So when he runs for reelection, like on, in the fourth year, nobody really knows what he's done or anything about him. Totally. He's done nothing. He's yeah. accomplished nothing. Totally. And they did the same thing again. They ran another smear campaign and he lost the second time. It's, it makes me want to like, no, let me take a step back. Hillary mentioned this a few weeks ago in our podcast with her, but there are, it would be amazing if every election from like, you know, basically the state level on on up was federally or publicly funded. I know. And there was no campaign donations allowed. You basically ran on ideas and because everybody had the same amount of money. Yeah. That would be an ideal way to do it. Well, in, in 2010, under the Obama administration, they, the, um, the, they passed a law that like, um, businesses could give any amount of money they want to, to any candidate. And that Obama was, Supreme, was like, the Supreme Court did it that. Was, oh, the Supreme Court did that. You're yeah. right. Obama was like totally 100% against it and really upset and rightfully so. I mean, like the it, we've spent so much of our time in government trying to figure out ways to like equal the playing field so yeah. that people don't. And then we say that like these billion dollar companies can give any amount of money they want to a single candidate. It was the Citizens United Supreme Court case is yeah. what it was. Well, and that's, it, yeah, it, it's a landmark decision that will completely alter the course of our history. And I think that what we're not seeing is things like this, where an organization can come together. They don't disclose who their members are. The members donate money into the organization and then the organization passes that out to candidates however they see fit. So therefore, like a huge insurance company, if if it really matters to them in a certain state, you won't know because they are probably a member of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce will give the money and you don't know how much money they gave that organization. Yeah. So they don't even have to be tied to it. Totally. They literally just get to be quiet and say nothing and no one knows. It's like, so it's so disheartening. But at the same time, we're talking about it 
So maybe one day we can change it. We got to try. <laughs> we got to try. We have to try. So the jury's unaware about this cap. And the money that the Gorleys get is reduced to $1.25 million. They pay their lawyers. Whoa, whoa. Back the train up. I, was, I thought that would be like 5.6 down to 4. No. 5.6 down to 1.25 million. Yeah. Which is crazy because, and this is a while ago. Like I think um, it's in, it's in like the early nineties, I think, or the late eighties. Like in, in, yeah. so this happened a while ago, but, but Nebraska still does have like a total cap. I mean, to be honest with you, 6.5 million sounded very cheap considering what, for a lifetime of care and support and lost wages. Well, and it was it, it was 5.6, so even a million dollars less. Yeah. But, like, they did have an economist look at it. Like, so here's the crazy part. Okay. It's reduced to $1.25 it, It's It's crazy to me that, like, the state is able to figure out somehow that no matter what happens to anybody, yep. 1.25 is enough. Totally. <laughs> um, but then the second part is that after they paid their lawyers and the medical fees or bills um colin is left with a few hundred thousand dollars for a lifetime of care and he'll live a long life like there's no reason that he can't live for a long time his parents expect that that they'll die and he'll still be living yeah which is one of the things that they have to think about and the dad even said and it and it like brought tears to my eyes watching this on the video he said think of your child and something happens to you and you know that that your kid's just going to be given to the state and the state will decide what to do with them. It's tra- it's like I can't I can't imagine. And that. that's what they that was the thing that they wanted. They just were like this is this is the amount of money that we need to make sure that we can have a plan in place for him yeah. when we're gone his whole life. Like he deserves to have a life where he's cared for well, because he can't advocate for himself. Mm-hmm. So after everything's said and done, he's only left with a few hundred thousand dollars for his entire life. And um, if they put all that in scratch tickets, they would have a better chance of getting their money than they would of just actually going through the process. Honestly. So a judge in Nebraska because they they go back and they appeal this decision. A judge in Nebraska rules that the cap is unconstitutional. So the insurance company appeals um, to the case to the Supreme Court. And isn't the, that just the case? Of the, not, oh, of course. Cut the, you the, off. the insurance company's the insurance like, I'm not going to pay wait, this. Wait, 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 wait. Our job is to insure in case of med mal. Yeah. And I do med mal. I, I work in the insurance industry from an executive search standpoint, and I've done med mal searches. I understand the industry. Not I understand it. That's what their that's what their only costs are. Right. Like that's their they their entire year is based on the n- number of claims and insurance people get bonused based on the lack of claims. Right. It's messed up. I know. It's so strange. It's so strange. Um so anyway, the insurance company appeals the case to the Nebraska Supreme Court where the court upholds the cap and rules in favor of the insurance company. Shocker. Oh, yeah, part shocker. two declares that it's not unconstitutional. Um, so 
here's the other part. This is this is the part that really gets me. And I want everybody that is, you know, pro-business who can see the value in tort reform. I just want you to think of it in this context because I understand how a lot of people think tort reform is good because in the long run, they think that, you know, if we allow these frivolous lawsuits, it just creates this huge imbalance and then people are afraid to work because of the lawsuits and then we lose good doctors and this is the kinds of things they're worried about. As soon as that few hundred thousand dollars of Colin's money is gone, which it, it, it's been gone for a long time. It was time. gone by the time, whoop, there it just came out. Yeah, by the time he was five, it was probably gone, um, which I'm speculating. I don't really know, but... That's a happily painted hot take right there. For the rest of his life, Colin then goes on Medicaid and the taxpayers pay for this. And yeah. this is what happens over and over and over and over and over again for people that have lifetime damages and disabilities because of, of, of malpractice. And so you have to ask yourself if these companies can throw $100,000 into the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, who can buy basically judicial seats with that money and make sure that tort reform stays in place and that the laws don't change, it's worth, in this case, for whoever this insurance company was, this was worth like $4 million. And you don't think they're getting one of these every single year? And then who pays for it? They don't pass the savings on to the doctor. I looked up studies. Doctors' insurance premiums are not going down. Neither are hospitals. So what's happening? The insurance company charges the same amount of money to the doctor. They don't have to pay the money out and they pocket the rest. Yeah, 100 percent. My my friend who is in uh, he is a doctor and he works in a doctor's office and he's a partner and their insurance rates increased substantially this from 2019 to 2020. They won't get, they can't get any explanation as to why and their benefits and their coverage has decreased. And oh. this, is a, this is a doctor who's saying, I don't understand why this is happening. I know. He works literally in the industry and cannot figure out what's going on to where he can't get an answer as to why there's a increase. He can't get it. And for our company itself too, we offer benefits to our employees and um, our rates this year went up. Our coverage went down and our deductible went, went up. up. Yeah. And there's, that's like, the, and that's, the, the, you have two options. We have, in where we live in Michigan, we have two providers we can choose from. And the second provider is still worse than the provider that we're staying with that has gone up in deductible and worse in premium and worse in coverage. It's crazy. It is crazy. And like, I, part you're, of, you're advocating for government sponsored healthcare, babe. That's what you're doing. You are. No, I'm not. There's just you are. No, I'm not. I think that things. I think that things can be. I I, I think that things can be fixed, but we're never gonna fix anything because we spend too much time arguing amongst each other, and every four years we undo what somebody else did. Every four to eight years, and we don't really get that much accomplished anymore. We really don't. Like we we get things. I think that the the thing that we're getting accomplished the best at this point, and it's still not that good, but it's like civil rights where it's really like up to the individual. Like those are the things that we can do is like treat each other with more love and kindness and patience. And like we, 
we can like take care of our climate individually. But like if like everything that Obama did for climate change, Trump is undoing. It's just frustrating. Okay, so I don't want to hijack your story. So I need to know what you're are we at, are we at question territory yet? Yes, I I have a few questions for you and I am I'm ready to ask you. Um, so right away, I just want to know without splitting the caps into their different groups, which I didn't talk about punitive damages, but that's where a judge can just be like, you're really a jerk and you should pay for it even more. Yeah. Um, that doesn't happen that often without splitting the caps into, into groups. Do you think that caps on damages is unconstitutional? I would say it is unconstitutional because Colin doesn't have the opportunity to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness because, um, because of this stupid tort reform. Yeah. I'm anti-tort reform. It's dumb. I don't like it. I'm not a big fan of it. I know that things can get crazy and I get it, but in this, I would rather like, we should be smart enough to know when someone's lying. And in this situation, this family and this child, their life lives like completely, completely, completely altered because of a preventable error, and that error should be paid for. I'm a hundred percent. When you screw up, you should pay for it. Yeah. And that so based on the the premise of the Constitution, that all all people have these certain unalienable rights, mm-hmm. Colin included. Yes. And he doesn't have that opportunity because someone messed up. They should pay for it, and the insurance company should pay for it. And the premiums that you pay, that the hospitals pay in insurance, are covered in your medical bills. So it's fine. They pay for this premium. Insurance is covered. They don't pay for their premium because they they forward it to you, the user, mm-hmm. this patient. And so this is what insurance is for. Right. So I agree with you. I think that it's unconstitutional. And also what I would add to it is that this is these types of decisions are supposed to be handled by a jury of our peers. And this is again, another example of not trusting our democracy to do its job. And that's the whole point of why we have our judicial system set up the the way that we do is so that we can decide what's fair. And it creates, it creates such a huge check and balance when you have 12 singular people who can stand up to a huge insurance company and say, no, you have to pay this. This isn't fair. But when we, when we enact tort reform, we take that away. So I have a question. Why was it that this lawsuit, like, did anybody during this lawsuit say like, Hey, the most you can actually sue for is one point two five million? No. So I don't, I don't know if like the plaintiff, like if their attorney, if they could have um, let the jury know that, I'm not really sure. But everything, like everything from what I understood was like, it was almost like the jury had to know how to grant, you know, their... Yeah. What they were awarding them. Yeah. And, and so they didn't find out right away. It was like, like a trial judge or some, I don't know. I'm yeah. so bad at knowing this kind of stuff. 
like, you know, days later or whatever. This reminds me of The Rainmaker with Matt Damon and Danny DeVito in from 1997, if I can take you back there. Um, I don't think I've ever seen that movie. Great movie. Yeah, it sounds good. Basically, they sue this insurance company for... Puni- like, basically, a, like they sue an insurance company for punitive damages, and then the insurance company files bankruptcy to not pay it still. Yeah, totally. And then just, like, reorganizes. Yeah. And- reorganizes, refiles, starts over. Also, just as an aside, if anybody's curious, the lawyer and there's there's like a lawyer that they talk to um, in this documentary about different things. And he'll explain things. He sounds and looks like Matthew McConaughey in in 30 years. I cannot even like I was like, he, you hear his voice before you see him. And I'm like, who is this? I know this person like who like this yeah. is a celebrity. When I hear the word Matthew McConaughey, all I see is Jim Carrey like basically twirling a booger in his fingers from SNL. That's so funny. Um, so if it's Jim Carrey with a booger in 30 years, I'm still in a hundred percent. It's Matthew McConaughey, a much skinnier, frailer version and older, but sounds just like him and has like the blonde curly hair and everything. I love it. It's worth checking out just for that. So let me ask you this. Let me answer you this. <laughs> a lot of, states don't have a cap on um, economic damages, but they do have a cap on non-economic damages because they don't think that a jury should be in charge of deciding what your pain and suffering is worth. And I read another case the other day, um, and I won't go into a lot of details, but this woman had to have like all four of her limbs removed because it was like misdiagnosed that she was going into. Um, Which let's just say that's a very unfortunate conversation to have with someone. Like, hey, after the tests, it's been determined. Yeah. You have to remove all four of your limbs. Yeah. Holy smokes. Could I you know, imagine? I know. Someone's just saying like, I'm going to become a non-limbed human. Yeah. I know. It's 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 horrible. But they they had to do it because she became like septic and it, and Ugh. and right. And I so watched Homeland. I know what that means. Then she had like all this damage to her extremities, and and they weren't able to save them. So then they had to be removed. But it could have been caught earlier. That's the thing that somebody should have. Yeah. Somebody should have checked for it, and they didn't. So that's how that happened. All to say, she's in this. She's she's in a. a like lawsuit right now trying to get more money for her non-economic damages because and and this is where it makes sense to me like she is a musician she loved to play instruments like like how how do you say that there's a cap on the monetary value of their pain like what you took away from her, like who she was, you can put a cap on what that's worth? Yes. I think you can. Really? Yeah. I disagree with you. If you're if you're going the other way, I disagree with you. I don't know. I don't know which way you're going. You're saying yes, it's fair to put a cap on that. It's it's a fair to it's fair to put a cap on monetary on um non-economic non-economic damages. damages. Because here's here's my logic. And I would welcome a disagreement because we only have had a few on this opinionated podcast. Um, 
so let's say she was a the most she was the most she loved music, right? She was let's say she was a did she play what what instrument did she play? I don't know. Okay, let's say she played the cello. Okay. Is that fair? Sure. It requires all four limbs almost because you have to hold the thing between your legs almost and you have to play with two hands. Yeah. So the most limbed instrument you could play, one of the most I would say is a cello. What does the most famous cellist in the world make? It doesn't matter. Yes, it does matter. No, it, it doesn't. Yes, it a hundred percent matters because no, I'm talking about happiness and joy that you can't put money on that. You can't identify because I could say my happiness. Then is, you shouldn't give her anything. Then you could also disagree. argue it's not worth a disagree. thing. You should get something for your time and anguish and mental state because of this. But you can't say like I'm due seven hundred million dollars because I had the potential to become the world's best cellist and that makes me my happiest state and my happiness is worth seven hundred million dollars. It's way too open ended. Yeah, but a jury is still the person. That's still the group of people that has to decide if you would get that or OJ what that would be. is walking around golfing. Like a jury is so skewed. Juries can be skewed. Skewed. Okay. Medically, there shouldn't be there shouldn't be a cap. I think that you can make an honest argument that this is what it's going to cost me or this is what my lost wages are because like in the case of Colin, I completely think like that those people should have got 6 million dollars, maybe even more, right? But I would have added inflation in there too if it was me. I think but, they had an economist Sure. Do that so I'm sure. But from a happiness standpoint, I don't, I think there's, okay, so this is the only thing I'll say, like, maybe this is good tort reform. I don't think you can leave happiness up to 12 people in a room and say, like, yes, they're due $700 million or they're due $70 million because that's not, like, that's not a realistic. It's just, not, I don't, I don't think it is. Okay, let me ask you this. What do you think the, the, the range is? That most states have for non-economic caps on damages, like money that they'll grant. Oh gosh, man. This is the problem with states. They're all different. No, there's, there's a range. They're all in a very close range. Non-economic damage. So every state has a range, right? The ones that have the cap. Yeah. And their states have no, no caps? No, they all fall in a range. In a, in a, Are in there a- any states that don't have caps? Yeah. Really? Like California? Uh, California has caps on non-economic damages. I would say... Colorado has a total cap. As a former citizen, I have a problem with that, and we need to, I need to go back there and talk to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe... I, have, I, can't, even, I can't even guess. I, I want you to try. Uh, Two million to 15 million. It's 250,000 to 500,000. Huh. So that proves so my point. So there's a lot of states that say... Your happiness is worth 250000 for the rest of your life. You don't have the four limbs that you have. Bye. I mean, it kind of proves my point. What proves your point? That the fact that like, I think that's you just the... disproved your point. You just thought that they would give somebody like two to four million. That was their cap. Still, They'll give you 200000 It's way lower than I thought, which tells me that I'm right or I'm, that my mindset is right because the, the cap should be increased. I think they should be increased. I'm not arguing that that's the right number, but it's like you cannot. There's happiness does not equate to monetary value. It doesn't. You can't say that my happiness is worth 500 million. Someone else is like, my happiness is worth 5 million. My happiness is worth 50,000. That doesn't. Sure. And that's the, that's completely the what, argument what for why think? that they do it. What do you think? I, I think it's unconstitutional. I think that if you, if we have decided as a country that 
a, a jury of our peers is how we handle things like this. And if you can't settle something like this out of court, then you should have to deal with whatever the jury awards. My my thought is I disagree with you that it's unconstitutional because we're not entitled to happiness. We're entitled to the pursuit of it. And Colin doesn't get the pursuit of it because he didn't he didn't get the chance because some dumb some really dumb um, doctor that just screwed up or a whole team of doctors that a whole medical professionals that screwed up. He doesn't get the opportunity to pursue it, but you can't say that we're not entitled to happiness. We're entitled to pursue that happiness. And you can't put a, in my opinion, you can't put a, everybody's happiness number. It could get out of control. So I would but, say, but so could economic damages. Like a person could throw so many things into that number as well. Sure, and you could say that's not valid. That's not valid. But this is valid. Like Colin was d- served an incredible injustice, and his family was. And I'm not disagreeing with you there. I'm disagreeing with you in the fact that that we're entitled to the pursuit of happiness. And if you're a cellist and you lose all your limbs, you can't make the argument that this is worth five hundred million dollars. Or even fifty million dollars. I could yeah, see like I, just, I could see being like this is worth five million dollars. Like yeah, for sure, done. Give her five million dollars, one hundred percent, or ten million. I don't know. I don't know the number, but I know that it doesn't. It, you cannot. There's nothing. There's nothing substantial that you can quantify happiness in dollar form. You can't do it. Then why? Then why allow it at all? Why not just make it a zero dollar? You can't have anything for that. Because that doesn't make any sense. You should still get something for it. I just think that the tort reform in this case makes more sense than in economic, than economic caps, because economic caps, you can literally quantify it. You can like, it's a, it's a, it's a microeconomics problem. And you can say like, look, this is very clearly what this is going to cost me over the next 80 years of this child's life. Let me ask you a question. Let me give you an answer. You, your child is hit by a car because they were texting and you find out it's Bill Gates who hit them. Hypothetically, you guys, Bill Gates didn't hit our child. Bill Gates doesn't drive. (laughs) No, I'm serious. She's dead. There's nothing. Wait, she died. Yep. Child dies. There's nothing. There's no economic damages here. Right. Yes, there is. There would be, um, there would be the funeral services. Okay, that'd be like twelve thousand dollars. There would be the legal fees to investigate, like to go to court. Okay. To get those things. So maybe we can, we could, if we worked super hard, we could get up to a hundred thousand. We get more than that for sure. In in economic damages. No, I'm not. Again, I'm not saying no, that I'm there shouldn't be. There shouldn't be a cap. That what on, we would be suing for is our loss of happiness. Sure, we would be suing for pain and suffering. And do you think it would be fair that that person would only have to pay two hundred fifty thousand dollars? I am not in agreement that the I'm cap just, numbers. Can you are, just answer my question? No, because I'm not going to. I'm telling you that I disagree with the with the current cap numbers. For sure, they're too low. They're far too low. You haven't said that yet. Yes, I have. Go back. I've said it. I said it like five minutes ago. I don't okay, agree with I'll those. Go, I'll go back. Go back right now. <laughs> I control. Them. I'm gonna go back. I'm, I'm going the, back, you guys. I'm the producer, so I control them. I control this, but I don't agree. I think the numbers are too low, for sure. It should be higher numbers, but I don't think we could sue Bill Gates five hundred million dollars to make us. That's the number that gets us happy. 
happy, sure. quote, quote unquote, happy. But actually we could, we could, we could sue him. Let's say we said, you're going to have to pay us $50 million for that. You jerk. And, Great. and 50 million is fine. Good number. Sure. Okay. Let's say we say 500 million. We want 500 it's too million. High. It's, Just it's let not me realistic. finish. Let me finish. We want 500 million. We take him to court. The jury's like, you're right. He's a fault. He deserves to pay. He's a jerk. We're going to grant you 10 million. And then your state's like, cool. Great. Here we go. All right. Just, you know, in two days, come back to this room. And then, oh, yep. Well, here you go. You get 500,000. I don't agree this. I don't agree. Okay. The caps are too low, but you shouldn't be able to litigate. You should not be able to litigate in a state when there's a cap and go to court for a number and go through the whole process. And then at the end of the, at the end of the day, they're like, after the case is done, they're like, oh, this is the cap. That makes, that makes no sense to me. That makes no sense. It happens all the time. Yeah. Well, that's stupid. It's a dumb idea. It's a dumb rule. It's dumb, stupid. But I think there should be caps on the amount you can sue for when it comes to non-economic damages. It has to be within reason. I think 250, 500,000, 750,000 is unreasonable. It's unreasonable. You should be able to get enough money to where you're like, I feel compensated for my loss, but, but not egregiously. Adam's starting to agree with no, me. No, I'm not agreeing with you. Guys, getting very close. He just, well, he just put your a monetary. Sweater just fell off your shoulder a little bit and that's really doing something for he me though. He just put a monetary value on pain really quickly right there without even knowing it. I just kept you talking. There is, there is a monetary value you, on pain. I know. I didn't say there wasn't. What you I said, said was. You said it isn't hard. It's not, it's not quantifiable. It's not and I'm quantifiable. Saying we don't need to, we don't need to let our government decide it for us though. Listen, you conservative. This, that's not what I'm saying. I didn't say it wasn't, I didn't say there wasn't um, a monetary. Conservatives love tort reform. I'm not the conservative. I, I didn't, well, you said government, you, are. you said government control. Um, right. Because you're allowing, you're allowing government to be bought by like these organizations. No, and, I'm not. Yeah. I, uh, you're for it. You are a U.S. Chamber of Commerce supporter. <laughs> <laughs> you can go look at their website. I guarantee you neither of our companies are Well, they there. don't disclose their members. So well, yeah, which you makes would sense. never know. Which makes sense. Um, you can see who their board of directors is to give you a good idea. It's like companies like the CEO of Pfizer. and Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, so here's what I'd say. I'd say that I do think there's monetary value in non-economic losses for sure. I'm not saying that at all. At all. Mm-hmm. You and I have had a situation with our family where we have been the beneficiaries of a non-economic loss claim. No, it was economic. They didn't give us a cent more. Yes, than they what, did. No, they, we yes, had to, they, no, they didn't. They gave us a thousand dollars more. Uh, We've talked about this before. We yeah. had to like prove, we had to prove I so know. much stuff. And they gave us $1,000 more than we had to pay. We were very close to the cap. Dangerously yes, close. But they should have paid a lot more. So I'm not, I'm not saying that I don't, and that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that it could get egregious. It could get incredibly egregious. And then you could get a, a, a peer of 12 people, uh, 12 people that set a standard that says like, hey, I was hit by a car in New York City. I broke two legs. I had, um, you know, I had $85,000 in economic dan- damages, but I have to walk to work for the rest. I, I live in Midtown and I walk 20 blocks to work. And every time I cross the street, I go through a very ang- anxious space. And now I suffer from 
depression from that anxiety that I have those 20 times across the street. And so over the course of my life, what I'm gonna have to do to get through this is going to cost me $35 million. And I could see it like you could get a really good lawyer versus a really dumb lawyer and a, and a really susceptible jury and they could grant that thing. And then, and then you set a precedent. And I think we're, then I think we're completely colossally screwed because then insurance premiums would go, go through the roof to cover these kinds of cases that happen, which is why I'm for tort reform in non-economic situations, but much higher than $250,000 in cap, like much, much higher than that. Agree to disagree. So here's the other thing that I'll tell you why I think that like what you're saying doesn't like hold much water for me is that like Michigan alone has like a really strange caps on damages and theirs is I think it's like 250,000 except for instances where if you're like a paraplegic if you end up becoming a paraplegic because of something then it increases to like 500,000 and if you become a quadriplegic they increase it to 750,000 so we are relating the pain and suffering based on the nature of the industry to a higher monetary value so we're still we're still trying to quantify it we're saying like if you became a paraplegic, that's a bigger loss. It's worth more money. Oh, when I if was you at- became a if you became a quadriplegic, that's an even bigger loss. That's worth more money. The state of Michigan literally does that. So we are trying to quantify it already. And I just for me personally, like I get it. You could have a rogue jury who's like, you know, screw any every insurance company and we're going to give this person like millions and millions but most of the time, like our juries are convicting people of crimes who aren't guilty or letting people who like aren't are guilty go like they're OK. They're, uh, my, my whole point is like they're always, for the most part, trying hard to do the right thing. And you see them do the wrong thing, I think, because they're trying hard to do the right thing. Well, I would agree with you, except for the OJ jury which we need to talk about the OJ Simpson trial at some point on this podcast. But like there, that jury was not trying to do the right thing. They were trying to make up for a ton of injustices in LA County. Yeah. Historically. So here's my question to you. Then if you lose a finger at work, let's say you lose a finger in a workplace incident or you lose an arm in a workplace incident. Should there be monetary differences to that, to those two losses? You lose your index finger or you lose your whole arm. Is there a difference? No, I think it's up to, I think it's up to like what you request for and what a jury would grant you. See, I disagree. They're completely different things. They're like when I went, so when I worked for the state of Colorado for that, when I was with Colorado state, they, in my HR orientation, I sat with the benefits person in HR and she walked me through from if I lost a finger to if I died, how much money I, I or my quote unquote estate would get. And they're like, your finger is worth $2,000. An arm will give you $15,000. Um, a leg, you'll get, you know, $35,000. Uh, just, just through the insurance. Like, that's what they said they had covered. And you could sue for more. But, like. That's not, like, a, that's not caps on damages, though. That's just what the insurance is willing to grant you right away. And they'll help you with but the school uh, away. But what I'm saying is they value different losses, different things. And I don't think you can make a judgment that you could say, like, I crossed the street and I 
got hit by a car and I broke both my legs. And to me, that's worth $5 million. Or I was at work and a computer monitor fell on my finger and it pinched something and it, like they had to remove my finger. And that for me is worth $35 million. There's That doesn't make sense to me. Because you're get Adam, you're advocating for giving power to the wrong people. I'm just saying. Well, that's your opinion. I'm not trying to give power to anybody other than like it could get out of control. I cannot. But you're giving the power to the state and tort reform is largely meant to benefit businesses. So the judges who are going to vote in favor of tort reform are going to side with the businesses and lower the cap. They're going to keep the caps low. All right. So agree to disagree. We're going in circles. You guys, we're going to keep going in circles all night. Yep. We've, we've, pretty, we've pretty much agreed to that at this point until yep. in like it's 1015 right now. I'll be sleeping at 1030. So that's how much longer we'll go in circles. And for. I will be up drafting my manifesto of why I'm right. And I'll nail it to <laughs> Beth's to the door of our room and I'll sleep on the couch in protest. Actually, but, I've never slept on the couch in our whole marriage. Funny story. No. Which is, a, which is kind of crazy. It almost is more of a thing for us to fight about. Like, yeah. neither of us has ever done it. I've done it a few times just because Adam has, like, been snoring or something. And I can't, couldn't. So I've, like, I mean, gone that's to a step too far. <laughs> a step too far. But now at this point, it's like, would you dare go well, to the couch? I've slept on the couch, too. We like, be, like, fighting, like, can't, like, blood boiling. But it's like, who would go to the will couch? Will you go will to the you couch? Break because, this streak? Yeah, will you do it? Because then that'd really be the lowest of all the lows. So we force ourselves to sleep next to each other, blood boiling, hating every second of it, but it's fine. We wake up happy every time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, so I want to know everybody's opinion on, yes, you guys like on torch is this reformo. constitutional? Is it unconstitutional? Who does it benefit? Who doesn't it benefit? Who's winning? Who's losing? Or can you be for one kind of tort reform, non-economic tort reform, but, but anti-economic yeah. tort reform, like I kind of am. Totally. And um, get at us on all the social media. You can find us at... Happy Opinions on Twitter. Happily Opinionated on Instagram, Facebook. Um, also, you can email us at Adam or Beth at happilyopinionated.com or hot take at happilyopinionated.com. If you have a hot take, we want to know about it. Or if you have a topic we should talk about, yes. leave us five stars. Tell a friend about us, us. Tell us the world why you love stars. us. We have 34 reviews. I know. How many stars is that, Adam? Do well, the math. It's 34. Well, we have one four-star review, <sighs> which we won't talk about that <laughs> review, but it's 33 <laughs> times five, which is like a lot, like a hundred and uh, it's like a hundred and something, 150 <laughs> some hundred. Yeah. It's 150 something plus four. So we're like 160 stars ish. <laughs> and here's what I'll say. Go on Apple podcast. Give us a star rating based on what you think of the show and just leave a comment. Like some person said, and I love it. She was like, give the glowing review about Beth for the most part. And then at the end was like, and Adam stopped breathing so heavy. And I was like, listen, that's because we didn't have the editing prowess we have now or the enge sound engineering prowess we have now. And that's why it sounds like I'm breathing really hard, but it's really just an editing issue. And we're going to go back and fix it at some point, but it's not going to be today. Which is all to say, thank you all for bearing with us. Like we're, yeah. we're learning as we go and it's been so much fun. And you guys who listen faithfully are awesome. And, and if you have any issues it. with the way Beth breathes, feel free to leave a comment about that because <laughs> it is very lopsided at this point. 
So we are going to continue through the holiday here. We're going to be back next week. And um, don't forget, do not forget, if you're in Grand Rapids, December 5th, Leon and Son, what are Adam and Beth drinking? December 6th. December 6th. It's Friday. Five to seven, pop in and have some free wine. Free wine. Free wine and come say hello. Free vino. We would love it. All right. Bye, guys. See you next week. Thank you.